How's it, everyone? Welcome to the Version 8 Marketing Podcast. This podcast is for those interested in learning more about modern marketing strategies that can help you attract more customers. And today we have Hercules Smith in the office slash studio with us. And uh, Hercules, welcome to the podcast, man. Awesome. Thank Feeling good. This is like such an awesome opportunity. Um, these talks, these podcasts that you've been doing have been really interesting. Uh, less preach, more conversation, which I'm loving. And uh, yeah, awesome, excited to get to talk about brand because uh, the the topic is, is sort of neglected. 100%. So from our side, for those of you listening, today are we going to be talking about brand, building brand strategy. Uh, Hercules is the f- and his wife is the founder of Designer. She's not, I mean, she's still involved with Designer, right? Yes, yeah. She's uh, she's not uh, directly involved with day-to-day execution, but uh, yeah. yeah. Still um, plays a role. Yes, yeah, still plays a role. Right? So, yeah. I mean, we met back in 2013. That's when we first got introduced to you and your wife when... Uh, you know, one of the leading sport re- retailers in sport nutrition bought out my first internet business. Yeah, yeah. Back back in 2013, <laughs> that's when I got yeah. to know you, and, and we've been acquainted for what is that, seven years now? Yeah, it's 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 actually insane how time flies. Crazy. But um, yeah, that was a that was actually also quite an exciting time because I mean uh, we 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 actually started booming at that same mm. uh, period in time, and and uh, it was just exciting. Um, you know, the same. Same time as you. Yeah, so from, from our side, like that's when we met. We've been acquainted for seven years. And I mean, for anybody that's worked with you and your wife and, and has done work with designer, will definitely, you know, add, will definitely second that you guys are amazing at what you do. And that is the main reason why, uh, obviously, I wanted to have this conversation with you because obviously we're a marketing agency, more so focused on the paid media and strategy side. But then there's also this whole other realm of brand strategy, brand creative, branding itself. Um, you know, that plays a, a essential, a crucial role in, uh, you know, attracting customers and, and, con- and converting people and actual paying customers, right? So with, with that said, that's the main reason why Hook is here today for those listening. And he's going to share some thoughts on brand strategy. And uh, yeah, I, I hope that we're going to add some value to those interested. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get started. Yeah. Um, I think uh, just to sort of cover a, a bit more of where we come from, or myself um, more specifically, um, I I actually wanted uh, originally I was set to do film, and I was a fanatic, or still am fanatic on um, on cinematography, and I love the way films get shot. I love the strategy that goes behind it. I'm going to ask a stupid question. Cinematography, yeah. exactly. What? Explain that to me exactly. Sorry, so, I sound stupid, but I'd no, rather ask no. so I know exactly what it is. Because you, you've just made my day. That's, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, no, cinematography in, in film specifically, and I probably don't even know the full depth of what it goes into, but what, what gets me excited is how does a director and their full team of producers of a film, uh, whether it's a show or, or feature film, um, get what they want in their heads onto screen. So uh-huh. it's got to do with film angles. I always refer to, when I, when I speak about this topic, I always refer to uh, a horror film um, with Harrison Ford back, I think it's back in the 1990s. Was one? No. no, 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 it was uh, What <laughs> Lies Beneath. It's like the first Beneath. Harrison Ford movie I've seen in my life because I was old <laughs> enough to know who Harrison Ford is. No, he was in quite a, a, a spooky film called What Lies Beneath. Yes. And I just it was just when I was... Uh, still not really knowing what I was meant to do. Mm. 
and uh, uh, I just caught uh, a behind-the-scenes feature where they, where they showed the exact house that the entire film pretty much plays off in. And they would shoot the house at daytime, in the middle of the day, exact same angle, and you'd get a result, and they'd show you the result. And then they'd duplicate that exact shot, but they'd put it on a downward, uh, or downward, upward, 45-degree angle, and they'd do the exact same... Yeah, uh, shot, and the way that house turned into something that you never want to go to. Oh, really? Was amazing perception. And like yeah, it's almost it's like you're changing people's perspective of you know what the house actually is just by changing the angles. Yes, and in in the end, funnily enough, I got into pretty much exactly yeah. the same thing. Well, that's kind of what marketing so, is in essence. Like it's uh, working with people's perceptions, and and and, and you know it's like. That's exactly what it is. It's yeah. the psychology tapping into the psychology and portraying something, uh, you know, articulating uh, obviously what you want to articulate and then you, tapping into those perceptions. Yeah. So from our side, yeah, you were mentioning uh, where you guys started, where you from, and yeah. uh, how you got into brand and strategy. So after in those days, obviously, film wasn't really a an a, a aspiring route to choose as a career. Um, films weren't really shot in South Africa at that stage and any education courses didn't really offer anything um, of real value. So the thought pattern I had was, and, and I was was sort of instructed, I had the opportunity to go study, mm. um, uh, you know, on, on my dad's bill, but it was a condition of you go study. So yeah. choose whatever you want to choose and, and, and do it. Um, else, if you come back two years later, you're on your own. So it was sort of a... Um, a, a pressure choice, and I decided to do um, graphic design um, as a degree. Okay. And then I would specialize in animation um, and 3D modeling, and that's that was going to be my full route yes. to uh, to get into film. But along the way, I fell in love with advertising, and I and I fell in love with the psychology aspect of it. Mm. So when you're trying to tell a story how to do it, who you're talking to, all of that, that psychology aspect that came with advertising. Um, even though, albeit on, on my side, it was more on a design um, side of things and less on a marketing or strategy side. Yes. But through the years, um, working from agency to agency, I got headhunted once or twice um, to shift, which was great for my ego, <laughs> um, help with the paycheck and... Eventually, I just sort of got tired of the studio vibe and uh, wasn't really taking to the, the big agency um, mindset. And yeah, before I knew it, without even thinking about it in the morning, I resigned by the afternoon and that's where Designer was created. Mm. Um, and uh, funny enough, my wife also resigned from her job, I think, um, I think five months earlier. <laughs> so yeah. It was big, wow. big pressure very, very quickly. And we had to we had to learn to swim very, very quickly. And a very and, deep end, yeah. Yeah. And, and as a designer, you learn how hectic it is to try and do execute work as well as manage mm. a business, budgets, uh, salaries, and all of that that goes with, with being an entrepreneur. 100%. So, yeah. So that's pretty much where I came from. Uh, seven to nine years later, boom. Yeah. We are. 
Look, I mean, from, from our side, we've worked with you guys in the past. And I mean, like I said before, like anybody that's worked with you and your wife knows that you guys are doing an exceptional job at what you do. Um, and again, that's why you're here today. So from our side, you know, branding, I want to, obviously, we want to add as much value to everybody listening uh, as much as possible. So if we had to dig into branding and strategy, like you would imagine a logo, like if, if I remember back in the day when someone said, hey, let's, I think you actually sat with me um, the day we were in the office and, um, you know, we got, uh, we got to meet each other and there was a discussion on, oh, we need to improve your brand of Fitness 101. And I was like, what do you mean, my logo? Uh, and I, I actually remember that very clearly. Uh, it was just a case of uh, I said the same thing that I said to another, the, the, the other client that you were ref- referring to earlier, that we actually need to take a step back because um, you can't fix something if it's not based on a good foundation. Hundreds. And that's where that came from. And then uh, that's a, it's a big problem with a lot of... And you know what the problem is? A lot of small business owners, I remember it myself, you're quite romantic and sentimental about what you've created yourself. But a lot of times that doesn't necessarily articulate exactly what the business, uh, what you're trying to make the business stand for. So I remember then we were like the sporty health and fitness website, kind of like a competitive for men's health that was like all about sports nutrition and, you know, active lifestyle. But the logo was weak and scrawny. And and like, I remember you said, without obviously trying to offend me, you know, (laughs) in in the the most passive way, (laughs) in the most passive way Mm. possible, you're like, well, your logo is a little bit thin. If you didn't think about sport, bold, you know, and and you kind of like explain it to me. And then I actually realized, wow, you know, branding is, is more than just a logo, right? Well, to put it funny enough, um, I the, the logo that we went carried on and developed for you mm. is so steadfast imprinted in my mind. Yeah. So the, the, your actually, previous logo. Sorry I, to interrupt you. I have um, the previous logo, the first logo, and I have the one that you designed, and we're going to put that up somewhere just so that people can see it before and after, like bring back some memory lanes. I um, actually can't remember how it used to look. So I, I, I remember clearly it was thing. horrible. <laughs> Um, yeah, so just to, to touch on on the logo, like that, that's the first thing that most uh, clients refer to when you say, look, we got to fix your brand because this isn't going to work. Then they're like, yeah, but we've already done our logo. And, the, and then I'm like, whoa, okay, wait. Add the brakes because it, your logo is just a brand representation mm. of who you are. It's the exact same as your signature when you're signing a check. It's, it, it, it isn't the core foundation of your brand. It only holds the value that your company creates as a perception out in the market. Mm. I always refer to it as, a, as my own term, as a brand identifier. That's all it is. And slowly but surely, you start attaching values to that logo. And then that logo becomes so synonymous with what you offer that it can just become a tick and you can remove the Nike. Yeah. Um, and it still holds that same value. But, I mean, that's 30 years in the making. So Hundreds. it's not um, something that you just do overnight. So I also got a, a lot of clients that end up saying, um, as we design our logo, can you do an icon for us? And I want to use the icon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm like, okay, wait, again, break, because you can't attach – you need to decide what you're going to do. Yeah. And if you want an icon, you first have to build your value proposition – into your brand or your brand identifier. Yes. And then you've got to start transferring that to your icon. Yeah. So, like, I remember with Fitness 101, we did do an icon that, that, that formed part of your main logo. I think it was F101 yes. was the icon. Yes. 
So just as that as an example, if it if it sh- popped up on the the cast here, yeah, yeah, um, the the F one hundred one would have slowly be absorbed the brand values that your company or Fitness one hundred one was delivering yeah. to market. And as soon as that you hit that peak where where people are actually buying into your brand, which would obviously be attached to a lot of success on your side. And hard you, work. Yeah, like, and hard work. And audience. Like, it's all a, it's all relevant to audience, right? How yes. many people actually know about the brand? Because they have to identify with what yes. you're doing. And it's not just about memory. It's not just understanding that F101 is attached to Fitness 101. Yeah. And that's what it stands for. It's actually buying into that. I mean, you see a Nike tick and you think Nike. Mm. It's not just, oh, it's a tick mark. Oh, yeah, okay, great. It's, you, you see it straight away. And, uh, I mean, every person who talks about brand probably refers to Nike at some point in the talk. We're, um, we're trying to emphasize what yeah. they did right for 30 years. And Apple. Yeah, well, Apple is, the, is, is actually probably taking over that role a little bit in mm-hmm. all the talks about brand. But, um, and Coca-Cola. Those are the three yeah. I always think about, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just to sort of keep on track, I wanted to sort of just touch on that, um, uh, um, the the brand identifier so it, it doesn't represent who you are it is identifier of who you are but yeah. every touch point of your company is your brand so it, 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 to all the viewers out there if your receptionist answers the phone and she has just had a bad day or he i don't want to be sexist <laughs> anyway um uh just had a bad day or was in a car accident you know, yeah. answers the phone, gives a bit of a bad impression. That's brand. Hundreds. You've just then done damage to brand. A, a classic example of that, sorry to interrupt you, is take a lot. Like, as much as I see the, blow, the blue logo everywhere, um, I've come to kind of like feel comfortable with them as a business. Every time I want to return something, I know there's a guy picking, you know, picking up the phone going, cool, we'll pick it, uh, we'll come pick it up. It's now, as com- that was back in the day. Now it's as convenient as just logging it on the app. Someone comes... Like, I, I just feel comfortable doing shopping with them. And I think they've created this sense of comfortability, uh, convenience and uh, comfortability. Like, it's like it's just sitting back and going, oh, I don't like this anymore when I exchange it or this broke. I just feel comfortable making decisions with on take a lot. Like, it's just so easy to obviously browse, but that's all brand. It's not just the logo and the, and the, and the colors and the ads that they've done. They've actually led through to actual actual experience. It's actually such a good and perfect example because... Um, because they find themselves pretty much in the social realm, mm. there is no need for a, a, a intensive executional brand. Mm. So you're not seeing billboards out there going wild and it's take a lot and it's uh, their, their environment is online. But it's such a perfect example of how different endpoints, the way you get treated when you phone take a lot, the fact that you get your product refunded or you get credit on the online store or cash back. I'm not even sure. I've never asked for a full refund before. I don't know if they do that or if they actually they give do. you credit. So let me give you an example. Sorry. We ordered a charger last year from, uh, from Take-A-Lot and an Apple, an Apple charger for one of the Macs. We ordered it. It came. It didn't work. Exchange it for another one. It worked for a week. Broke. Exchange it for another one. Um, I can't remember what happened. I think the, it was a generic charger, so it wasn't necessi- 
maybe as strong as we would have wanted to be to cope with the, I don't know, the plug or I don't know what happened, but it burnt out. Like it just literally stopped working and it was like super, super hot every time you had to plug it in. Yeah. So I just logged a complaint on Tackle, not a complaint, that's the wrong word, but I just logged it on Tackle and I said, look guys, we're having issues with this. Uh, this is the second one in a row. I don't know if it's our devices or whether it is the wrong order. You just need to give me guidance where to from here. Yeah. And they actually said, no, 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 we'll come pick it up. They gave me a full refund. Like no questions asked. Yeah. Well, well that that's part of of building a brand because mm. your perception changes and your decision to use take a lot again gets influenced and that by definition is brand um it, like i said i just touched on the receptionist answering the phone um your sales rep if your sales rep doesn't deliver the values look some companies are more formal maybe mm. your sales rep walks into um into an office to see a client and they uh, maybe you do agriculture and you're in shorts and you, regardless of which environment you find yourself, if your values that you are delivering as a sales rep and you, uh, or, or a specific um, list and you're not delivering that in a meeting with a client, then you're damaging your brand mm. because you're influencing the choice for that client or potential client to, to use you again. Yeah. And that is brand. And then once, so that extent, then we move over to the actual physical appearance of brand, which is the which is the common uh, thought of definition of yes. brand for most clients. Yes. So when you say brand, they're thinking of your billboard, the your letter, visuals, and yeah. your logo. Um, but it's so much deeper than that. Yeah. And 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 when you start talking strategy, because. Uh, then, then we sort of pull back, and that's what I was saying. We have to take a step back and fix that foundation yeah. so that when we start building all these blocks on top of your brand so that you're fixing the way your reception is answering, how your sales rep is treating, how your billboard looks, and redesigning your logo, yeah. then, um, then, then you've got a, a good foundation to work for, and that's what I was referring to. No, 100%, and I think there's a l numerous benefits to you know, looking at your overall brand not just the visual side, but also experience, right? So there's numerous yeah. benefits. But uh, from a visual perspective, um, you'll know more than me. Like, I just know that people associate, you know, if, if we, for example, Fitness 101 at that time, and now version 8, you know, we white and, and teal green. So it's about repeating those colors consistently on social media so that people can become, like, more, you know, acquainted. Uh, it's brand repetition, you know, the frequency people start relating with the colors and what it is. So if they see a specific post, they know it's from us, whatever it is. So my question is, like, what kind of benefits as a whole, like, you know, it, it, the, I mean, I know there's numerous benefits, but, like, are there, like, five top benefits of focusing on your brand um, specifically around the visual side, like we know that brand experience is probably a completely different topic, um, you know, of the of the sales lady and uh, your secretary and all that kind of stuff. But from a visual perspective, focusing on your brand and getting your logo right and that foundation right and then your colors right, your CI and your website and all, like, can you list like top five benefits for, for the people listening of, of what it can actually do for their business and their bottom line? Yeah, I actually reduce it down to three. Like you said, there's numerous, um, yeah. most blogs or, or most uh, talks will probably refer to the, the five, but I actually uh, reverted down to three and, and, uh, and it's trust, connection and motivation. So I, I position it into those three is because trust is something that you have to communicate outward mm -hmm. um, and it mainly deals with your, your clientele. Connection 
is how do you get what you're trying to say and who you're trying to be and make that relatable to the client um, or customer. And then motivation is how you talk inward. Um, because talking inward is just as important for brand than, than talking outward. Yeah. Everyone's focused on talking When outward. you say talking inward, you mean like internally um, in the company with your staff and employees and all that kind of stuff. So there again, just to refer to what most of our clients um, uh, make a mistake in doing is, is thinking it's just your vision and your mission statement. Yeah. And that's where your internal talking stops. Um, or the creation of your values for your company, and then boom, there it is, and then you re- you re- revisit it on an annual basis. That, that's that's not working on your internal brand. Working on your internal brand involves HR. How do you motivate staff? How do you reward staff? How do you put your staff on the same level of mm. excitement in your company? I'm hearing the, you I'm do? hearing you say almost like culture as well. Yes. So uh, just to sort of keep that point but just to refrain off that slightly so we always work with a um, customer ex- uh, brand experience customer experience and employee experience okay so those are the, the it's like a, it's almost like our, the branding funnel if you want to call it that. yes and I like that. Um, can I can I coin it you can coin it um, nobody else coined it uh, well, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, I think maybe I've even sort of stolen that somewhere. But uh, <laughs> as far as I know, I started ut- utilizing it in, in meetings. But um, definitely the structure of the funnel is, is, is something that the industry actually uses quite a lot. So mm. your, your, your brand experience is the interaction that anyone that hasn't dealt with your brand before, hasn't made a purchase, hasn't um, uh, made use of your service. So it's the perception you creating to potential clients out there that haven't dealt with you. Customer experience is when you're talking, because remember, you're talking and you're saying a specific thing and you're mm-hmm. talking to a specific person. Once that client or potential client becomes a customer and has now bought from you and has now bought into a, a deal that you deliver a service or a value like someone would buy into Apple, mm you're going to start talking to them differently, right? It's like uh, it's if you say hi to someone on the street, it's oh, yeah. different to when you've invited them into your home. For a second, I didn't understand um, what you were saying, but you explained it like if you acquaint while acquainted with someone, your relationship changes. Yes, and the way you speak to them changes. So now you're not saying, please trust us because w- this is what we have to offer. You're now saying, thank you for trusting us, and this is what you can benefit from us or mm. he has a good mm. deal because you've bought from us. Discovery is giving you miles and um, um, uh, F&B gives you e-bucks. It's a whole different conversation Yeah. once you've actually stepped over that line. So that then deals with the customer experience. But one thing that clients or our clients specifically forget about sometimes is the employee experience. Yeah. So the employee experience is very important because you need, you need to drive your company to perform mm. and uh, a lot of lot of employers don't involve their um, employees in their strategy or in their successes. You know, us as an agency, if we get an accolade or if we get uh, nominated for something or we get an achievement of some sort, and I just refrain from telling anyone, and it's just on a shelf there um, in the studio with no real reasoning behind it, then none of your employees are getting excited. Mm. If you're a major brand 
and um, you're putting a billboard up, tell your employees about it. Tell them, to, or if you're putting a social post out, get your, your, your guys to share it. Get them involved. Uh, motivate them. Reward them mm. to actually um, uh, promote what you're putting out there as employee because that creates um, enthusiasm and it creates motivation. So that's that left angle yes. of those three benefits. And a company that, I, mm. that uh, you know, pops into my mind is, I don't know if you know the book called Delivering Happiness by Zappos. So do you I've know heard of it? I haven't so, read it. Yeah. Now. So so there's a there's a company uh, in overseas, and anybody can Google this. Uh, it's called Zappos. They've been bought out by Amazon, and they are known as a company that's got you know intoxicating culture in a good way. And I think I can't remember their main main slogan now. I think it's delivering happiness or something like that. But the the book was all about their culture and how their culture actually helped them grow as a brand. So you can see how the business is internally healthy. And that led people to almost want to share part of that. You know, the the, the 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 customers on the outside was like, but we want to be part of that culture because it's so cool. And, and, you know, we see how you treat your employees. And that kind of like created their brand for them, delivering happiness. So they came up with all these cool, you know, they were the first, uh, I think, the online stores to say, hey, you can order 10 shoes and then send nine back. And then, you know, yeah. t- 10 different sizes or whatever it is. Because they wanted to make sure that that same internal um, I would say value that they were giving to their internal employees and, and, and staff, they were trying to replicate that on the outside and going, cool, what kind of value can we provide to you? So we're going to make it convenient for you to try and fit on shoes because we know it's a pain point. So you can order 10 of them, send nine back if you want, you know, keep whatever it is. Like they've just focused on convenience more than anything. Can I, can I actually um, extend your point there? Um, what what people don't really realize is that, you know, if I followed some of the, the other podcasts with um, Gilbert, uh, Carl, and, and Charles, you know, a lot of, lot of, um, uh, the, the, a lot of points came out on how, what an effort it is to actually gain a lead or a mm. client or a purchase. Hundreds. Right? So you have to fight to get someone to even talk about your business. It's a battle, yeah. Yeah, right? Having your employees talk about your business is free. Right, and that's crucial at such a point level because if you've got a toxic environment, what are your employees saying to other people around a braai on Saturday? Mm. You know, if you if I take one of the one of my clients that deals in the automotive industry, they, they sell auto batteries. Um, I've used this actually in a meeting with with them before, and I say if if I'm standing if I'm I've, I work for your company, and I'm standing around a fire on the weekend. And all I've had is a toxic experience at that company. Yeah. And someone says, geez, I need to take my BM in because my battery's acting up and um, I know that I can't really take my BMW anywhere. It needs to be done by a proper company and stuff. Then I'm going to say, yeah, you're probably going to need to do that because X, Y, Z, but I wouldn't go close to this, this company because um, this is how it is. My boss is like this, that, that, that. And the whole brand delivery that your employee, that employee is doing, or myself is doing, is is negative, and I'm actually damaging the brand. Not even that I'm that I'm consciously wanting yeah, to do. And it. people don't think about that. Yeah, it's, it's not like I've now got a knife out for the company I work for. It's just I'm delivering my experience at work to the people that are around me, and that's free. It's free, so it's, it, it can be a good tool, but it can be a bad tool. So, so when we're talking about that motivation core benefit, yeah. um, it's 
it's not really, it's talking inward. Mm. And it's how you're building your brand um, through values, mission statements, because people, that's why those those elements inside a business, which are, it's, it's a bit more on the formal side of marketing and not on the executional side. Um, but those are the core um, reasonings that, that, that you talk inward so that you can create the same excitement in, with your employees than what you're trying to do with your um, with with the potential clients, hundred percent. No, I, yeah. I completely get that. I want to take a step back quickly. You mentioned okay the three top benefits, right? I would quickly want to touch on that. So we yeah. talked about trust, connection, and motivation. Yeah. So, so lay, layman's terms, can we break that down? Uh, yeah. Let's start with trust. Like, so so let's actually start on the left, which is the motivation, which we just tackled okay. in detail, right? So that that's talking inward. That's actually motivating yourself, your business and your staff to do what they need to do so that you can grow, mm-hmm. right? So I'm Sorry, going to s- I want to touch something on that is that you mentioned the mission statement, right? Yeah. And while we're talking about that internal uh, communication and, and motivation is that you have your internal you know, vision for the business and that your employees obviously buy into. Now, one thing I've realized is that a lot of companies make this completely abstract and subjective. Like yeah. it's like we want to be the number one retailer. In the world. We want to be the, yeah, in the and then, world and we yeah. want to strive for global dominance and ex- ex- offer extreme, you know, awesome customer experience. Like none of that really means anything. Like there's no way that you can tangibly go and say, cool, you know, this is actually, I can understand what you're trying to achieve because it's all, um, what is the word? Up to fluff. It, it's we fluff. call it fluff, yeah. But it's it, it's fluff. I can't think of the English word now because I'm Afrikaans. You know, like I'm trying to think of the word. It's a word. Uh, it, it's like it's all up to themselves. Like it's uh, it's up to their own interpretation. Basically, interpretation yes. is the word I was looking for. So the that vision statement, if it's very abstract and subjective, it's literally up to their own interpretation of what that actually means. And that's why it's important to make sure that it's tangible and makes actual sense for everybody in the business. And everybody needs to understand what you actually mean yeah. when you're saying that. And what are the next steps in order to get there as well? It's it's the exact same thing on the business side of it. So if, if you know, I, I'm a self-taught entrepreneur, so I probably don't know the ins and outs of every single detail of running a business. I, have to lear- I had to learn that myself. But, um, you know, very qualified uh, business leaders um, will know that they can't put abstract goals for their business mm. because they need to be able to show these returns um, at the end of whatever period. And if those goals are completely abstract or impossible to reach, you're going to look like you've got egg on your face. And the so, investors are going to, yeah. So it's the exact same theory with your employees. Um, they're going to just treat you or your, your values or your mission statement or anything like that. They're going to treat like a bad social ad that pops by. You're just going to keep scrolling and you're going to wait for your paycheck at the end of the month because nothing's exciting you, nothing's driving you, and you're not excited. So uh, your performance is going to reflect that yeah. like a mirror image. So that sort of deals with that um, inward talk, which is your motivation. So I'm going to skip through because I want to come back to the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so trust is what you want to do because trust is the biggest thing out there. So whether we're talking building a brand value or ethos of trust, um, Apple's done that really well because um, people are willing to pay what uh, Apple charges because they trust them. Hundreds. And um, I actually thought about it the other day. Like the new AirPods Pros are coming out, right? I think there's like obviously shortage because of what's happening in China. <laughs> um, and it's obviously quite sad to see what is happening. But but like I was in the Apple store and I was like, I just out of interest asked what the costs are. Um, and it was like seven grand what they're going to launch it for or seven or six. And I was like, my goodness, that's expensive. And then I thought about it. Like there's a lot of people that's paying that without asking even 
they, they're not even trying to justify the price because it's Apple. Yeah. And, and a lot of it's ego, um, w- which is, I, I won't be ashamed to admit that it's also partly ego on my side. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a creative and creatives are synonymous with, with Apple. Yeah. I only use Macs. True. I've got a MacBook. Uh, I have an iPhone. So um, it is definitely ego, but with ego, trust is attached to it because y- yes, you've got an ego. Yes, you want the product that sort of puts a designer status out there. But you're not going to do it if you know you're not going to yeah. get quality. Um, and, and that's the what, that's the big balance that they've got. And Apple got it right to make you feel like that because it's yeah. premium products um, and you have that ego because yeah. you want to show that you can afford premium products. Yeah. It's, not a sh- it's not a crappy product yeah. that is just overpriced. It's a... A decent product, really quality product yeah. that's overpriced. <laughs> so it's like um, it, it, it's it's it, you know obviously any Android person would argue that, and there yeah. would be a fun debate for about an hour. But um, anyway, to to sort of get to the exact point, there is um, trust is is the core almost of every every social lead generation return on investment that you guys have got online. Any goal that we have with our brand strategy is all based on trust. Mm. You're not going to put out one rand for a product or a service if you do not trust that you're going to get your money's worth. True. And that is the basis of any business. I, th- I think if you had to strip away all the can- eye candy and you bring it down to what the director wants to know, he wants to know, am I going to make a, a cent? Um, that's, uh, that is going to be what, what it's based on, is mm. will someone spend a rand... Um, if they do not trust us. Um, the potential client is, is going to say the same thing to himself, but in the reverse. Yeah. So he's going to say, I'm, I'm not going to spend a rand if I'm not getting what I'm paying for. Yeah. So, um, so, so how do brands like smaller to medium-sized businesses now, you know, you talk about trust, connection, and motivation. We're going to get to the connection part. Um, motivation we've touched on, but trust, like how do you go about doing that? Like, what do you do as a small business when it comes to your brand? Like, how do you go about some practical tips that you can think of? Is the, the biggest one is consistency. So uh, consistency obviously travels along all the, the touch points. Mm. So consistency on how you treat your clients, how you answer the phone, um, all of those type of aspects. But when your visual representation, the, 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 the tick, the night tick, the Apple logo, the 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 brand identifier that holds the values if that's not treated with absolute consistency you're not giving a platform for a consumer to to transfer those values to it so if if you are shouting quality and you're shouting um, brilliance and you're shouting awesomeness but your logo looks like this here mm. and like that there and it's not even here or your website one page, your menu's here, and then all of a sudden your website's menu's on the sidebar, um, and there's not consistency. The perception that you start creating is, is that you don't even have your own house in order. Hundreds. And if you don't have your own, own house in order, then technically how do you proclaim to give quality? Or how do you proclaim? So then you start affecting the trust that the, mm. that the, the, the consumer has. So consistency is probably the biggest 
part of it. And the first thing I can mm. think of is that you guys are completely anal when it comes to the positioning, the color. You know, what is this? Is this the actual color code? And it's like maybe slightly off. I remember, you know, back in the day, you would go like, I think the color is wrong here, Yandre, or this or that, or yeah. the positioning. And I'm like, what doesn't really matter? But now, obviously, you know, there's reason behind it. I mean, maybe you want to quickly just touch yeah. on that as well, because I want to know why you guys are so anal about that. Well, it, it, <laughs> designers are normally anal, especially because w when it comes to their own work. So yeah. don't diss our work and don't uh, give us grief about it. Yeah. But uh, all jokes aside, that um, it, it's there. It's exact that exact reason to ensure the 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 consistency is there, so that all the work that we're doing. Um, and I mean, a lot of people will look at this and 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 feel oh. That's that's talking a, a bunch of crap. Uh, it's not yeah. that bad if your logo is the wrong color when it comes out, but um, it, it starts affecting a brand. Look, the bigger small, picture, small, it does. small things. But the problem is, how do you? Where do you stop? Where do you stop allowing small things to go wrong? So, so agencies in general are hectically. I mean, if if you utilizing another service provider for a lower end execution, a lot of a lot of companies do that. They work with premium agencies for specific reasoning, um, for strategy, for creative rollout, and then once that's done, then they maybe move to a cheaper cheaper agency or utilize a smaller agency for more mm. executional work or a social agency that does all the digital um, uh, services uh, moving forward and all that type of stuff. When that happens. They, then all the agency wants to know is like, okay, but uh, who's doing this? How are they going to do it? Now they're going to ensure they're not going to stuff up the th three years' work of what yeah. we've done. Hundreds. So, so that's exactly why that anal um, sort of uh, trait is there because yeah. of of consistency. So that's a, that's definitely and that's free. Being consistent with your brand, you don't need to pay anyone for that. You're right. Um, uh, there's some offset cost that you need to do in the beginning if you're getting an agency to sort of set yeah. your business up. But once that's done and you don't really have budget moving forward to do executional brand development or building, then all the, the, the basic thing you fall back on is just yeah. be consistent. Be, the way you answer the phone must be the way your introduction on your website works. Hundreds. It's as easy as, guys, it's as easy as saving a Canva template. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I was just joking mm. there because I know essentially like as, as, as much value as Canva adds, like it also sometimes causes a lot of different barriers. Um, and that's yeah, something you can okay. probably... I'm going to make a note of that. You, yeah, I, I get where you're coming I'm from. I'm going to yeah. make a note of that because I want to um, delve into that a little bit later. So, yeah. So, that what we've actually ironically moved towards the connection part in the middle. And that is um, the relatability. I don't even think that's a word. Relatability. Um, We've just made it a word. If it isn't, yeah. Um, relatability of your brand to market and as well as inward to to staff, mm. right? Is how do you make yourself re re relate to what you're buying? Um, the, I agree. Like, uh, you know, I heard you and Gilbert talking and it was a very, very uh, awesome podcast, by the way. It was like very insightful. Thank you. And uh, I know a lot about it already, so a lot of stuff, I've, it wasn't the first time I'm hearing it, but whoever's listening out there for the first time, the information that you're getting there is like really top, top quality. Appreciate it. Um, but when, when you guys were referring to, you know, attaching a deal or a saving and, and putting a, a, a value add to a product, that's all talking very, very close, you know, Normandy on the front line. Yes. Um, when it comes to sales and 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 um, delivery of product to market, 
Um, but how do you how do you get someone to relate to who you are? The product's mm. not doing that. Some some companies are importing products from countries that you've never heard of. Yeah. So that will be so, your messaging. So, so the, yeah. Uh, other than Apple, I mean, pe- people are shocked when they hear Apple's produced in China. In China, mm. well, partly, um, but uh, assembled in California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a. That's why I said partly because it is a bit of a catch twenty two. But um, you know, those are the type of things that people never think about. Mm. But because they've actually extended, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ascended past that. They've, they've ascended past what the product is and they've related to your brand. So that, the, 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 the benefit that a good brand gives you, which is a mix between your internal talk and your external talk, is um, your connection. Your connection to the, the potential customer. Mm. And it, it does, it, obviously you've got the front end work that needs to be done and that all needs to be executed very efficiently to get sales and to get people at your front door. But you're not going to get return customers if they can't relate to you. Quality is the big thing in terms of product because people are going to buy a shit product once. They won't buy it again. That's true. But um, if they can relate to what you are saying and who, who you are, and like I, I would take it someone who, f- who follows a cause, right? If yeah. I'm selling a product, let's, let's, let's use um, uh, animals. So I'm a foundation and I sell products um, that are related to, to dogs. And the, the foundation donates and helps abuse dogs, et cetera, et cetera. That's just a company I've just uh, imagined. Mm. I'm going to come to you and I love animals and I love the cause that you're supplying. And I'm probably going to buy a dog collar from you, even though I might not even need one because I've got 10 at home already. Yeah. That's me relating to who you are, not relating to the product it's a, or the price it's of the product. It's a topic close to your heart, yeah. Yeah. So that connection with between your company and um, the potential client is a possible um, yeah. uh, long-lasting relationship. Would, would, so, you, would you say that's got to do with your messaging technically, right? Because, yes. I mean, it's about how you articulate what your brand stands for. Because yeah. this company that you've obviously now imagined could exist, but if they didn't necessarily articulate it clearly enough that this is the cause yeah. of, you know, helping straight off. But I don't know who, where you are and who, what you're doing. Yeah. Exactly. So so from trust perspective, it comes down to consistency. That's what I'm hearing you say. It's very, very yeah. important. And that will allow you to build trust. From a connection perspective, it's important that you focus on your messaging. So your messaging, I'm assuming, also needs to be consistent. But at the same time, needs to be able to relate to whomever you're talking to. Yeah. And they need to understand why you exist, and that needs to trigger like an emotional connection, uh, you know, in order to create that sense yeah. of reliability. And then that, again, a word that we came up with. And then from a motivational aspect, you talked about the fact that, you know, that's got yeah. to do with your internal communication and, and your brand internally more so. Yeah, an- another point there would be if, um, if, if you've got... Uh, if your consistency is not there, and you your messaging is not right, what's going to happen is 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 um, people are going to take that one experience with your company, and that's going to be uh, set mm. in their mindset. And if they ever do pop onto your website by accident, or you you manage to scroll on the on the timeline for whatever reasoning, then you're just going to keep scrolling because mm. you've already been there, done that. And if you didn't capture that audience with a relatable message or with a deliverable value that actually relates to that um, potential client, 
then then you've missed that one opportunity. And yes, there's lots of cash, c- uh, cats or fish in the sea. Sorry, um, I was like <laughs> cats, cats in the sea. In the sea. <laughs> that would be a good uh, TikTok video. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, absolutely. Who's got a cat? <laughs> Um, yeah, so so basically, those three. Obviously, it can full, it, it breaks down to a whole lot of stuff. Like you said, the 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 connection breaks down to messaging and how you deliver that. But I mean, we've only got the time that we've got today. Yeah, and, uh, and we I mean, you've got to keep moving on because there's some other points that we want to touch on. No, for sure. But um, yeah, if if clients don't really understand that value of getting those three levels and those. And that funnel that I was talking about, yeah. how you talk to people you haven't dealt with, how you talk to people that have bought into you, and then how do you talk to your your client? You're never going to build the ethos. Yeah. That get, you can't build an ethos. You can't decide what your ethos is. Yeah. Your ethos gets created by the perception out there, yeah. the trust and the loyalty your clients have or your customers have, and the support and trust that your um, employees have. Okay. All of that creates an ethos right in the middle of the funnel. Yeah. And and you don't think it up. You don't you, you don't imagine it. And it takes time. Just one day everyone says, Wow, geez, okay, we 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 fun. Right? But that fun environment was created yeah. by decisions that you made in your company. It could have easily been an accounting type of yeah. environment where everyone's just behind desks. So yeah, to finish off that point, that's um, yeah, and it, and I yeah. think what the, the important takeaway is that it takes time. Like yeah, brand building takes Coca Cola, hundred and what yeah. fifty years now, I think almost, if not yeah, yeah. and uh, their logo has changed like two or three times. Yeah, like, talk about consistency, and it's more of an yeah. evolution. It's than strategy. Anything. Yeah, um, versus Pepsi, who's changed their logo like straight from the bat, like fourteen times. Like you, you, it looks like this, and then it looks completely different. Where I think it was an article I read. So Coca-Cola has been around for 150 years, Pepsi for 120. So let's say for, for since we've been alive, yes. right? But yet your perception of Pepsi and your perception of Coca-Cola, you know, two different things. And uh, the one thing I noticed that they were saying, like Pepsi changed their logo like 14 times and it's all different kind of logos. Like non, it's not like an evolution. It's like completely changed. And Coca-Cola is like three or four times, but it's all slow revolution over time. It's definitely, yeah. Um, like Nike knew where they were going. They knew where they w- wanted to end up. Mm. So so it wasn't an overnight decision to drop the wording of their brand and end up with just the tech. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a calculated strategy. One of the, the clients that we worked on together, we, you know, for us that was a five-year project and, mm. we, and we consciously held back on the change. Mm. Um, for very specific reasons because you've got to consider a whole lot of stuff. What do you do with your existing market? If you're completely shifting your value set and your message you're sending out there, what do you do with the people that bought into the previous message? Yeah. So those changes that you were referring to have to come very strategically calculated. 100%. Um, and very strategically time, or timed is probably yeah. the right word. But it's also contextual, before we move on, it's also contextual to your audience size because we've seen companies who've been around for a year, uh, they've gotten, you know, the amount of people that you've influenced really in a year is very little. So if you wanted to make changes, you're probably a lot easier to, it's probably a good time to make those changes before your brand is 20 years old and 30 years old. So we had someone say, like, how do we transition from this logo to that logo? And I was like, well, how long have you been operational for? No, we've been operational for a year. How many people do you do you have on following you on social media? Five hundred. 
you know, yeah. meaning that five people have been following them, probably deeply engaging paid, with them. Paid likes. That's probably not true uh, likes. Hundred percent. Well. So from our side, I was like, look, guys, it's contextual to your audience. Don't go and spend all this money on on, on on really thinking about this. Just make the change and move on, and stay consistent with your new message. If you have been in, in business for the last five to ten years and you've got a, a, a an audience size that's obviously much larger, then yes, you have to think these things through, right? Yeah. It's a much better place to be in. Yeah. Uh, for you know, that's up. That's our uh, sweet spot. Is when we deal with a uh, with a company that's that's not that's that hasn't really got a basis. Yeah. And because you can do now, what you want. Now they stick their hand up and they're like, "Look, we need to do this right." And then you're like, "Yes, please. This is what we want." Mm. When you get when you get a client on board and they've done this process, so they might have just used the wrong uh, agency who didn't consider the correct uh, way forward, and now they find their way where they now red and they were supposed to be yellow and. It's it, then it's a tough it's it's a tough job and it takes time to yeah. do that yeah no I can imagine I can imagine mm. so from a from from looking at this podcast what we're trying to achieve we're trying to we obviously want to ensure that we add as much value as possible so I mean from with that I'm going to ask you a couple of questions if you yeah, don't mind yeah so the couple of yeah so it's going to be very basic questions that I always struggle to really articulate to our clients. Um, and a lot of people that we obviously meet on a daily basis. So from that said, I think, you know, standing out from a noisy environment, it's like social media has really like lowered the barrier to entry uh, f- to, from a marketing perspective. So your barrier to entry is literally nothing uh, compared to back in the day, traditional marketing, TV, radio, all these things cost a fortune, right? Now social media is so so cheap that anybody that's got a hundred bucks can advertise. So that means that this environment is super, super noisy. So from a branding perspective, like what would you suggest would be the best way that brands can really stay, you know, almost like uh, stand out from the noise, essentially, when it comes to, you know, their brand and, and you know, marketing on these kind of channels. It's actually quite funny because that uh, it's a point that I wanted to touch on, uh, you know, thinking about leading up to this this podcast. And that question really delves into the feud that's been going on. Hmm. Um, because I, I would say the best thing that a, that, that a, that a company can do is align yourself with someone that understands where the disruption happened, and that's not feuding the two the the, the modern era, which is online, yeah. and the traditional media. Because when you when you start dealing with someone who's kicking back and saying no, don't because the the I, I get clients to come come to me and say, look, we're canning our entire branding and marketing budget, and we're just doing digital. Then you you like what? Um, because uh, they're dealing with someone who's saying, no, that's all day, that's you don't have to worry about yeah. brand. We're going to just give you leads yeah. and you're going to get sales and it's just going to happen. That's all that matters. But you're going to get one sale and then that person's going to forget about you and they're gonna, the, the next sale is going to go to someone else who catches their attention unless your brand and your development's happening. So, yeah. um, and then on the other side is you, you, you're saying, oh, everyone's going digital and then your current agency's saying... Um, no, geez, no, don't take our budget away. No, social, it's gonna, you see, it's fat. It's going to come and go and it's going to... And we all know that uh, social is not going anywhere. And online um, environment for, for companies is definitely not shifting anytime soon. Yeah. So if you've got an agency that's kicking against that, um, it's going to make your life very hard because uh, you, you're either going to get fed up and then with, with no results because traditional marketing and branding cannot survive without the, the modern era online. Hand in hand. And um, so I would say the first step is, 
is whoever you you're working with, and this is this is not the, you know the podcast is not here to try and gain yeah. clients or, or or get people on board to work with you, but whoever you are working with, uh, make sure that they understanding where they are playing in their field, because. Um, that's your biggest stumbling block. Stumbling block. If you're getting advice from someone saying stay digital only yeah. or, or go digital only, it's the wrong choice. Um, or stay traditional only, it's the wrong choice because it needs to be a blend between both. Yeah. While there's still um, value in traditional. Yes. So that's the um, thing. Like Obviously, these channels, uh, the, it's all about the attention. There's still attention. It's just the, the problem is it's just overpriced. So if you can afford yeah. it, then I think it'll add value. Like Apps yeah. redid their whole logo and their logo is everywhere. Like obviously that added value to their strategy, no doubt. But in yeah. my opinion is like there's a lot of smaller companies that we work with that can't afford, you know, traditional mediums. So yeah. we would always, and I'll be honest, like we would all, we would be the people that says, go out all digital yeah. because you've only got five to 10 grand. Like you're not going to get much out of a traditional medium. Yeah. So if you want to get best bang for buck, you need to put that in, in context and go, cool, look, let's just take a step back. I have a saying that says all advice is bad advice. Because nobody really, yeah, nobody exactly, nobody really truly understands exactly where your brand is, exactly when you're just asking for advice, obviously. But once you've given them all the information, it's about considering all the all of that data and go, cool. You know what? You only have this much money. We have to consider traditional digital. We think that, and nine out of ten times, you're gonna be like, cool. You're gonna make the biggest impact on social or digital, wherever you want to yeah. Google, whatever it is. But no doubt. Like, for example, Apple, their cost per acquisition. So getting someone to walk into their store and making a sale is costing them 10 times less than a new competitor that had to open an electronic store right around the corner because people know the brand. So the more you focus on brand, the lower you act, the the actually, the more you focus on brand and the more you put effort into that, the lower your cost per acquisition will be over time. Opening day, they probably had a queue around the block. 100%. 100%. Without even really spending anything on other than announcing the opening yeah. of the Elon store. Musk is a great example on his yeah. new truck. Like he didn't spend a cent on marketing, but it's the Elon Musk brand and the Tesla brand. Yeah. Like the brand is connected to him. He's obviously loudmouth when it comes to these things and he's always he's quite quirky on, on, on Twitter and therefore he's have a, he's got a huge following um, and a huge influence. So when yeah. he launched his truck and he explained what it does and why it exists and, and what it can do, people went nuts and he... They're like sold out yeah. on, on pre-orders. And you almost forget to really question what he's saying. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff that Elon Musk, you know, I read, I've, I've been reading quite a lot about him. And funny enough, I had to write a, a, a speech for my kid ah. um, on the future. And uh, I based it on... Did your kid have to write it or did you have to write it? No, well, it's... it's it's In Afrikaans, <laughs> it's uh, their retinas. And yeah, people yeah, yeah. pay to have their, their nah, speeches written. I'm just joking, But I mean, yeah. he's in, in grade six, so they need a little bit of assistance in, in of terms course, of topic. Of um, but uh, so I based it on pretty much flying cars and the concept thereof. And and, and, and the, the, the eye candy with people like Elon Musk and, and all these guys, uh, it shows you how awesome... Brand, brand can be because remember he is a brand. Yeah, he, he, uh, yes, he's got companies and they need their individual attention in terms of brand as well. But him himself is a brand, and um, and people have actually sort of also stopped asking. Like he put a tweet out saying, "No, our new car is going to have combustion um, rockets in them, and it's going to it's going to be a flying car." But people don't realize that it's probably going to take like um, a, a few hundred thousand dollars worth of energy put into that one car to lift it a few mils up. Yeah. And then they're only going to know that they're able to do it, and it's going to take another ten couple years. of decades. Yeah. To to perfect that and to reduce it to some. That I mean, technology. I've got no doubt that it will probably end up there, but. The point is, he just says something, and everyone's like, 
five years time we're going to fly be flying in cars yeah it doesn't work so you know in the mars project uh, i think we're pretty much edging towards that 10-year timeline in your head and i don't think we we but we so off topic no but yeah. anyway no i mean i love talking but, about this um to just to get back on track with what um saying about brand and his yes, brand. uh it, it was just uh t- to ensure that people know that you've got to give attention to both you can't. Um, a good example would be. I'll give you a very good example. One of a potential client that I've got now is is a uh, a client that's in that sweet spot. They want to sort of revert themselves. They're not completely in a ten year phase of their brand build. Yeah. And they have to pivot now. It's going to be costly. They actually, but they they do printing, and printing is a very sensitive field at the moment. It's a dying um, uh, solution for brand. And therefore, the industry is taking a, a, a huge beating. So, um, I, funny enough, I work from a bunch of um, remote uh, um, coffee shops, which are studios. Mm-hmm. And um, th- I was sitting the one day in, in the meeting. I think I told you about them. And I just heard a digital company um, spewing all kinds of crap um, to this client. And uh, we don't focus solely on, on digital ourselves and we'd probably get uh, partnered up with you guys um, yeah. on, on big projects. But um, I just knew the crap that was being um, delivered, Salty, yeah. uh, sold to this client. And then um, after the meeting, I just sort of made contact and I said, listen, before you do, I did that whole break thing. I said, you've got to take a step back. I mean, you, you're selling a service to someone in the printing industry which is based on relationships. Yeah. No one, no one goes onto Google and says, "Find me a printer," no, be, because it's got to do with price. Yes, obviously, but prices don't get listed online for printing because printing is very a specific service. Yeah. It's like how big, how well, small, how. When we need to clarify that you're saying a printing place more so than the actual printer itself, because it, thousands of people are looking for a printer, but not. No, no, a, no, a sorry. Yes. Location. Okay. I'm be more specific. I forget you in a podcast, and yeah. um, people are like, huh. Um, no, I'm talking about a print house. In other yeah. words, that delivers services of, yeah. d- d- you know, printing of, of material, that book that got you've it. got there, marketing material, et cetera. So that's dipped. So the, it's very rough out there at the moment for printing. But anyway, so they were throwing budget at this digital agency and they included mailing lists and this and that and it was all this type of stuff, which I was like, uh, now they're sitting there and they say, but where's these leads that you promised? And then I heard them talking about a bought list of, thousands and thousands of names and I'm like is that is one of those names on the or emails on that list even going to be relevant yeah true so I was asking all these questions of what I was hearing and I just approached them afterwards and then I just realized you know what you spending uh, this is a good example of something that won't work well digitally mm. unless you confirm your conform your product to yeah. work online like uh, a company called uh, uh, Printulu does that really well so they sell all their printing services online but it's a sort of a one size fits all solution for a lot of stuff yes um, oh I actually uh, had an interview with Pr- uh, Printulu yeah yeah I actually had so an interview with them they, they sort of disrupting the industry in their own right yeah. already at the moment but the, my point comes down to the fact that if you're still in a traditional form of a print house service online isn't where you're playing you actually almost need traditional media there because you are building relationships with someone yeah and the only thing that's going to break that relationship is either either break your consistency with service or you break break your consistency with quality Mm. and then that person is not going to jump from you onto google or 
you know, you're going to phone your, your colleague and say, you know, those guys you used for this X, Y, Z, it's all relationship based. Yeah. So it's just an example of, of where, in my opinion, obviously I could be wrong and there, there could be ways of making it work online, but just in its traditional sense, I, I believe that this client wasn't going to work and they were forced to throw their budget. Yeah, in, based on what company uh, suggested. And yeah, and I mean... It's a classic send, example of it not, probably not paying off for them. Or just rudderless. Yeah. And this they've company got is no gonna, direction. You know what's going to happen is this company is going to go as like, oh, yo, digital doesn't work. We're going to just can it completely. Yeah. And... Um, for now, what I've done with that client is we have pulled back, but we've pulled back for a specific reason to start building their basis. Yeah. So that when they do go back to digital or start playing in the digital field again, because um, I've spoken to you before, because um, if we ever go, do get onto that point, I mean, we're going to be partnering up on that because it, it will fall in a field that we don't actually really yeah, uh, play in or, or, or I can confidently play in. Yeah. So. Anyway, point coming down to it's just that make sure you're aligning yourself with the right um, open-mindedness when it comes to service offering. Because if 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 in, in today's era, if you're just pushing one traditional or modern um, or digital, uh, to be more specific, uh, either or, it's just going to not really because you might get sales, but you're not going to get your message delivered to market. Yeah. And if you don't have your message or who you are, your value system built those sales aren't going to really um, stick. But anyway. So, yeah. No, perfect. I think that answers it. Like Essentially, it's about doing both if you can afford it. Depending on what... Uh, when we say traditional, it doesn't mean that it has to be a billboard or it has to be a yeah. TV. It, it, there's just traditional ways of building your brand that is still probably worth you know doing, depending, again, contextual to your business, your message, your what you're trying to achieve in the next five years, everything like that. It needs to be taken into consideration when you come up with a strategy. Yeah. And nine out of ten times, the best strategy will include both, yeah. especially when it comes to bigger brands. So, no, that makes complete sense. But, but no, sorry, no, I just wanted to, to ask the, the the other thing is is that, you know, there's no real direct ROI on building your brand, technically. Yeah. And this is the problem that we have. Like a, a lot of small companies want to spend five grand and get 20, 30 grand back because it is possible. However, it's difficult to really find that line between building the brand so that the repeat sales can come in on, on a daily on a daily versus spending 5K, making 10K, and then the moment you stop spending 5K, you don't have any sales. So where brand obviously takes over is building that momentum where you spend 5K, you make 10K back, but because you're building brand, tomorrow or the next day or three years down the line, you don't spend anything, but you're still making sales because now it's obviously reciprocation on the brand that you've built. So there's no real direct ROI on building a brand, it's, a logo it's, it's and a one CI. of the big conundrums that traditional uh, brand strategists have justifying what they're doing for, for, for clients because it's the first yeah. budget that gets cut when things go tough because exactly. it's not measurable. So um, it, it touches base to what Gilbert was uh, saying on the previous podcast. Um, you know, he, he got very excited about um, revenue optimization, yes. right? Yes, that's something and we're very passionate about. If you yes, so, so I was touching uh, um, on this when we were chatting before the podcast now, um, that brands actually got a bit of a role to play there. Mm. Um, not in the actual execution of that or the tweaks that you're doing on the sites and making sure that you, you, you're trying to get upsells and cross-sells through so that you can optimize actual sales. But it's almost the organic exactly. method. That's exactly what it is, yeah. Of, of ensuring repeat business. Mm. Because once you've bought Apple's story, you're going to 
purchase. I mean, I yeah. just go for my upgrade. I, I, don't even, I don't even question it. I don't think I've ever looked at a Huawei or a, or a um, Samsung. I've never even looked at them. I've just, it's just upgrade, yeah. Apple, done. So can I tell you a funny story? Um, I have had the first iPhone. No, actually, not the very first one. The first, th- I think it was the iPhone, then iPhone 3G. So I got the iPhone 3, 3G. And I think I've had every one ever since. However, there was twice that I moved over to Samsung. And this is nothing against Samsung users. Ooh, I just actually... starting a war. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But what it came down to is like I actually had the Samsung S, uh, S6 and I had the M- Samsung S9. And I was very happy with both phones for probably like six months. And I think I always find my way going back to Apple um, I sold the phone, I gave it to somebody else, and then I took back my old iPhone because Samsung's marketing is really good. So I'm like, oh, maybe it is. You know, I'm always looking for something new. I'm quite open-minded, and I, I love tech, obviously. So it'll come to, uh, I give my iPhone to my missus, and I upgrade, and I get a Samsung. For the first six months, I love it. And I'm just one of those people because br- Apple resonates with me so much that the brand is so strong, it always pulls me back. Yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like the brand is so strong that it always pulls me back. And there's people who obviously feel different. There's people who buy Samsung since they've, you know, been 16, 18 years old. And they probably try two iPhones and find themselves going back to Samsung. But either or, the brand resonates with them so much that they find themselves going back to the brand that they resonate it, with the most. You could almost refer to Sixth Sense where, where it's like it's just something that's missing. If you Like when I've, when I've ever it's held exactly a... That. A, a different phone in my hand for whatever reason. Um, I cringe. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, uh, it's just there's just something that's just not familiar, and it and I know obviously the function that it comes yeah. grossly yeah. only on the functionality, but it's not just that. There's just you almost feel like you're cheating mm. Um, mm. Uh, on like a girlfriend. I know it sounds corny, but uh, it, it, you feel like it. It's the same as when you when when you do a big shift in anything else in your. In mm, your it's mm. like you've driven Ford your entire life, and now you want to try, yeah, a different Toyota, uh, whatever Toyota. Look, I'd drive Toyota any day, but it's just uh, it's in a different price class yeah. compared to other vehicles. I mean, your choice if you can afford a Toyota, your choice is just endless in terms of the other vehicles, but. Uh, I just that that reference is is just there to say that you almost that the day you make the decision to shift to a different yeah. vehicle make you almost feel slightly guilty. Yeah, and that is um, if anyone asks me where's my real investment with doing brand properly, it would be that. Mm. It would be that. How do you get someone to actually feel like they're doing something wrong? when they decide not to use your service or not to buy your product. And there's no practical steps that you can actually take to get that right. No. Because it's, it's so it's many elements, measurable. so many so moving parts that goes into creating that experience, right? Yeah. And and it's hard because people who understand it will pay for it mm. without thinking. Around, I mean, yeah. obviously, there's there's a sense. Look, we've got a continuous decline in growth and something's not working, we better pivot. Um but then you get people that say, no, it's not, didn't work in the first month, I'm canning. Yeah. And, and those are the different viewpoints you got. So people who understand the value of brand or the actual unmeasurable return of investment that, that, that it holds yeah. will understand that, okay, I need to raise alarm bells if I'm not seeing what I want to see, um, but still trust in, maybe you'll decide to use someone else if you feel like these guys aren't really hitting the mark. But the point is you're still going to believe in the value that it will add. 
Well, um, that's what it comes down to. Is like I see brand is obviously okay, we know it's long term, right? And I'm yeah. quite sentimental, so I've always wanted to build brand. Like it's something I'm really passionate about. Um, and but also because if I, for example, at at the age of fifty or sixty, had to decide, you know, stepping away from what I'm doing, if you wanted to pass that brand on to somebody else, um, you know, the more brand equity you have, the higher that acquisition price is going to be. Yeah. Because think about Nike for a second. If Nike had to, you know liquidate themselves essentially or they got sold on to the highest bidder like the person even if they made if they were running at a billion dollar loss every single month um okay that's i don't know i'm not a financial guy so i don't know exactly how this would work but if they were running at substantial loss on a monthly basis and they had to sell the company off to somebody even though they're running at a loss the brand will be still be sold for a pretty penny because of the fact that the brand equity that they have the goodwill that they've created is there's a sense of value in that, that you can't just obviously, you know, it's not going to just deteriorate. Yeah. So essentially, you if you had to sell your business and you focused on brand for the last 10 to 15 or 20 years, that acquisition price is going to be a lot higher than if you just had to fo- build a company that's just focused on sales because you're selling something on top of that. You're selling, obviously, the profitability of the business, but at the same time, you're selling the goodwill and the equity that you've built around yeah. it. And that that equity actually gains value um, excluded from the actual um, uh, uh, value of the actual business. Yeah. I think at one stage, when my mom was still entrenched in APSA, I uh, read something, uh, a, a circular that went around their own internal and somewhere it was listed that, um, and I could be completely wrong with the actual figures, but I think their brand, their brand, in other words, if you had to let go of, not focus on any of the assets or, or, or anything like that, just to brand it, it stretched into the billions. Mm. If you had to buy, literally. In Crazy. other words, I've got my own banking service, almost like what Barclays did. Yes. Really? Bar- Bar- Barclays bought um, all the businesses and yes. said, we cladding. So Barclays would have that value and you would have to, okay, this was the other way around. So that actually doesn't really make that True. much sense. But, yeah. but my point is if you actually had to sell it so that someone else could take that brand and, and apply it to their own assets. Environment, whatever you are. Environment, it, it would cost into, I think it was, and this was years ago. It was like a good 10 odd years ago yeah. um, that it was already stretched to there. That's crazy, man. I'd like to touch back on, on, on Apps's campaign, by the way, because uh, I hope I don't offend anyone I really know. Um, but for me, uh, there was a classic, uh, a, a classic example of how using a big because there's a perception out there that using a big agency, paying premium price for farting left and sneezing right um, in the process, and having being charged for that at a big agency is the way to go because you'll always get results. For me, the APSA relaunch campaign was a complete dud, um, and that's just why, my opinion. Why do you think that? Um, can you explain to me what the message is? I know you're not necessarily EPSA. You, you no, know I'm with F&B. With, with F&B, right? So, so you've obviously made decisions um, throughout your I life. I was with EPSA, actually. Life. I moved over to F&B in 2012, 13. I was also at EPSA, but it's got nothing to do with their current yeah. campaign, right? So um, no one can really give you an exact answer of what are they actually trying to say. Um, I, I don't know. Like, to be honest, if I look at F&B, the reason I like it is because it speaks to my millennial side around 
innovation and tech and I'm a techie kind of person so I can do everything on my phone yeah. maybe Absa has got the same services maybe NetBank I mean one of my I think my brother-in-law actually works at NetBank um, I don't think he definitely is working at NetBank um, if you have to ask me what his role is I probably won't be able to tell you but he was explaining to me that you know the NetBank has got just as innovation happening on their side the innovation is just as great and the technology is amazing and the offering is just as great but I feel you know the brand again the brand that resonates with me is the brand that I'm going to back yeah. and if and be just found a way to resonate with me uh, oh, I understand definitely. what they're trying to say like I'm not a smart intelligent guy right so your marketing needs to be layman's and I think this is what people don't understand is that they're trying to sometimes sound sophisticated because they think premium has to be uh, has to be equivalent to sophistication and to an extent yes but not necessarily when it comes to the message that you're trying to the yeah. actual words right so not on that granular level it doesn't have to be like that and I think not that any of the other banks are doing that, but I'm just thinking like the way F&B speaks to me is I understand that. Do you get money back uh, for groceries every month? I'm like, no, I don't. I want to go to F&B. Do you get money back for gas? No, I don't. I want to go to F&B. So I think that's just their messaging that resonates and, and yeah. kind of like with me and it makes sense. So so to to elaborate a bit with why I, th- I think APSA specifically had a bit of a, a wobble in terms of, of, of their relaunch specifically, because I, I mean... I'm not the market. Their market has clearly shifted to a a lower income group, which they targeted quite aggressively. Mm. You can see it with where advertising happened. You can see they they focused on inner city. They um, they try to create this Mzamzi culture rebirth. And um, so I'm not the market. A lot of people revert to say, but but you don't get it because you're not the market. But I, I, I... Jump fall back onto the fact that this is what I do. This is what I do. So I, I feel I, I, I'm able to look at a, at, a, at a messaging, and even though it's not meant for me, I can analyze it enough to say, "Whoa, this is not really making sense." I don't believe it's going to have the effect that 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 people were, yeah. were aiming for. And I just I I just didn't really, and I, and I followed it because I, I really loved the the brand revert that Apps did. Yeah. Um, from where they were to where they where they are, because it definitely brought them on the same level yeah. as as F and B. But to this day, I can't really explain to you what what the messaging drive yeah. in its essence was. I can tell you what Billboard said and yeah. what Ad said and what Streetballs said because they spent a crap load of money. Can I can I ask you a mm. question? Do you remember Steve from F and B? Yeah, I remember Steve. Do you remember yeah. radio ads? Steve? Yeah. Hey, Steve. It was, a, it was a Hey, Steve or it something. Was something. It was something like Steve that, or someone. I remember that. It's coming back to me now. But yeah. now, that is what marketing is all about, right? Uh, Mom, mm. remember, but now, Rose. Like, we're talking yeah. about what brand really is. Like, it's stuff that you remember, stuff that resonates with you, and it's stuff that you go, hey, cool. Yeah, yes, yes, MBS. Like, I'm talking about, like, way back, right? Like, when I was, like, six, seven, eight years old. And, and uh, you know. So, from my side, I think that's what brand is all about. And I'm thinking about FMB. If you had to ask me, APSA, what they've done, if something that you remember or resonate with me, look, I'm not someone that looks for, if, like, banking ads. But where I drive, I'm conscious of FMB. Yeah, but it's um, the brown car effect. Apps' rebrand definitely uh, got my attention, and I actually like it. Like, I think it's cool. I, I like the lowercase. It's casual. It's chill. Like, I like the, the there's a bit more structure to it. I, I like it. From They a, definitely captured the modern market. Yeah, but they, I don't know what your message is. And I think with F&B, I understand what your message is. You're trying to save me money. Whether they get it, whether they actually do it or not, like other banks will say, no, but they don't actually save you money because this or that. I don't know. I'm not a... Not into the banking sector as much as I probably was a lot of other people listening. But from my side, I'm like, I don't know if it's true or not, guys. All I know is 
that's what I understand, and therefore I'm opening my wallet to them because I understand what they're saying. Yeah. And, I mean, banking banking fees in general are so hidden sometimes. You don't realize you're actually paying no clue. whatever. But, uh, I still don't know what I'm paying every month. Like, I just get a message from my accountant, then I, like, I fall over, and then I yeah. don't know why. But nonetheless, like, it comes down to the brand resonates with me, and therefore I support them. And, again, I've never had a bad experience with F&B since I've actually been with them. Like, uh, they've been amazing. Yeah. Brand experience, right? Yeah. That's what we just talked uh, about. Uh, one last example, because um, I don't know what our time's doing now. but uh, We can sit you all day. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Um, how's your data out there? <laughs> um, I'm I'm 37, turning 38 this year, so um, being I'm sort of hitting the maturity quite aggressively at the moment. But uh, not far behind. You. We actually on a on a WhatsApp group, a friends WhatsApp group, we sort of um, somehow came across all these old nostalgic ads. And we were hitting them across WhatsApp to each other. And it was like, oh, you remember? And it was like, not inside. It's on top. Oh, uh, yes. Cremora ad. And it was uh, the, the the clown that balances on the the, ball, the big ballpoint pens. And, Can't remember that. Um, Who was that? It was old school, old school ad. I think it was even old for me when I saw it back uh. then. And it was just this clown, uh, circus environment and this clown sort of comes up and he asks the audience for pens. And they give – no, he's got a pen and, and they ask for a pen. And the pen that he gets given is in a bic. Uh, and then he does this thing where he goes onto a platform and he actually, with the open pen, uh, does a handstand and stands yeah, yeah. with full body weight on it. And then afterwards he jumps down and then the kid gives him a piece of paper and he does his autograph and the pen and it still works. Yeah. Very nostalgic ad. People will go nuts about it when they see it. But one thing that really struck me was when we posted the, um, or I posted it more specifically, was the VW ad. I don't know if you remember the, um, the. Uh, do you remember the time of our lives? No. That uh, ad where it goes from like the, the 60s. Uh, and you got like these hippies and they If I like, see it, I'll um, probably remember it. I think the guy gets the, the forks he originally from his dad. And then he's like this young guy that's just cruising around in, you know, in Woodstock. And then he gets this girl. Yes. But it's South African based though, but uh, very um, uh, Woodstocky. And then uh, gets Jiggy in the backseat of his forksy. And then his wife's pregnant. And then the kid gets <laughs> born. And, and so everything evolves. And yeah. uh, they evolve and they become modern parents. And they got this young teenager. He then eventually, in the end of the ad, gets. Um, uh, you know, to a driving age, and his dad opens the garage, and he's now driving a Jetta, oh, cool. uh, you know, an updated vehicle. Yes. But then he opens the garage, and the first car that he gives to his kid is the the Forks. I'm actually getting goosebumps um, right now. Like, no, it, it, that. It's, it's definitely like that was actually uh, pretty cool. Um, and that's you know that's the VW uh, um, history. Yeah. Um, it, it almost took an ad, and they sort of went through this history, and yeah. showed the modernization of their vehicles at that time, and. Yeah went back and did homage to the Foxy. Yeah. When, when it was when at, at its prime. And uh, it was just, everyone was like, oh, my word, I remember this. This is great. And that's that, I, that's good brand. I can watch it ads all night long. Like yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. It's really cool. Look, before we go, last thing, right? Um, small business owners, like if you have to focus on, this is now a question to you, by the way. No, I'm not mm. speaking to the audience. My question is, if you're a small business owner, 
and you have a cash trap budget. Like we need to be, we need to have empathy that not every single person has probably the budget to spend money on a new website, new logo, rebrand. And yes, you can do it in bits and pieces. But the main question is, where do you start? What what do you think is the most important thing? Like if you had limited budget and you want to focus, start focusing on brand today, you listened to this podcast, you heard what we had to say, and you're in a position where you're like, you know what, I'm going to start focusing on my brand. Considering that this specific person doesn't have a lot of money uh, for their brand in order to spend on their marketing, all that kind of stuff, because there's probably a one or two person show, um, what do you do? Like what, what would be the next steps? Well, what I always try and tell clients, because there's no real correct answer because depending on if you want to start an e-commerce store you got to build your store it's mm. going to cost uh, a pretty penny there are obviously options if you if you can teach yourself how to do it there's cheaper ways of doing it but it just depends like if you if you um uh selling a good uh, you know in a store and you've got that relationship, you almost don't need the brand straight away because it's based on relationship. True. You're putting a product on. But there's smaller things that re- result, what do you put on the label of the product? How's your packaging and all that type of stuff? So I'm just sort of trying to list the, the differentiation that there is. Yeah, you or could be anywhere. Service, I understand. Or service. Like the printing service, for example, that uh, that's going to say, please don't spend money at the moment on digital because that's not where you're building your yeah. client base. You're building your client base in relationship, in meeting rooms, so, yes, you could get a phone call or two from digital, but, um, you know, spend enough so that your brand is consistent and elegant online, mm. but, but put money towards where you need it. So, as corny and as dated as a sales folder sounds, uh, you know, if you need to get into meeting rooms and leave a leave behind, then that could be where you need to spend your money. I'm not saying it is. Mm. I'm just trying to give the differentiation that there no, is. No, I get it. So... With that said, get a clear goal because um, – and, and this is where agencies um, and, and to all the clients out there uh, or potential clients out there, I would say that this is the, the importance of the decision that you make to who you work with. Mm. If you're working with someone that is sales-driven on their side and they don't have a passion or a um, – a value that they see in your brand. Because mm. I've always got the opinion that if I make you successful, I'm going to be successful. Yeah, true. If I keep growing you, you're going to give more budget to me. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how strategy works in our environment. Yes. So I'm passionate about your brand and I want, and it's, and it's, it's a record for me. So if you're dealing with people that don't have that in mind and it's just about another invoice, another invoice, another invoice, and when you really need them, the door's closed... Um, and and that's, sometimes that's how big agencies work. So yeah. it's 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 better finding a smaller agency that then if you don't have budget, yeah. find a smaller agency which is a, a given obviously, that is passionate about what you're doing. So that when you're getting advice, you're getting uh, authentic advice. Yes. Um, because uh, you know it's something that I've always appreciated about you. You'll 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 tell a client, I can't really work with you, and it's not it's not it's, there's no <laughs> there's no real tension or, yeah. or anything like that. It's just what you want and what we can give don't match. Yeah, hundred percent. And, 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 and I believe in that. You need to be that transparent with someone. So so the first thing I would do is is find the right partner to to walk the journey with. Because if you find the right partner, I mean I've got a lot of clients where we waver. A huge amount of our fees mm. because obviously if you're doing Tanstini's tuck shop down in the road 
you know, you're not going to say, well, let's develop you a brand that can compare to APSA. Yeah. When all you're going to need is uh, your name on the top of a tuck shop and maybe a sticker or two for, but you do need services every now and then. Hundreds. Okay. So it's a very random example. But, no, but I get it. Um, it's the, 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 if you're working with the wrong people, you're going to go down the wrong road. Um, when it comes to actual budget, find a set of goals. And when you get that right advice that I was just talking about now, mm. you can come up with a set of goals with your brand. Don't ice, don't put brand in the background because that's the, the, that's the quickest way you become dated. Yes. Is if you then say, you know what, from now on, we're just going to work on product development and sales and we're yeah. not going to do anything on brand. And you find yourself 10 years down the line with um, an industry where you used to r rely on relationships. Now everything's online. Your industry's disrupted. And now when you're doing tenders, you can't compete because what's being put on a desk is not a Word document. It's a full-on proposal pack that's been developed with brand ethos screaming at the, at the potential uh, whoever approves yeah. tenders. Whereas you used to be the best in your industry and that's what you wrote on. Now you don't have the brand. And yeah. that's what happens to people when they don't, when they're like, oh, we don't need brand. So come up with a good set goal of how, how you want to those. do micro evolutions to your brand. So mm -hmm. you don't need to, sp I, would, I would allocate a small, the, if you can only afford two grand a month, um, to spend on brand. So in other words, you get someone who's willing to work with you, even if it's a single designer yeah. or someone with just a little bit of knowledge, just to keep updating your brand, even if it's one thing a month. Making sure it's consistent, maybe updating your site. I mean, I think that's where we are. Like I, I looked at our site this morning because not necessarily on purpose because we're doing this podcast today. I was on the site and because we were doing this podcast, I thought about brand. And I was like, oh, but you know what? I think, you know, over time, this website has changed so much that it's actually not really exactly what I envisioned the day we launched our new logo or whatever, our new look and feel and everything like that. So I was like, you know, you got the look and feel of what we had in mind, but now slowly, because it's the, the changes have been so incremental, we've actually moved away from what we tried to achieve two years ago. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's stuff that can obviously be fixed. So I think what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like re find out what your goals are, re-engineer your goals, find someone that's affordable that you can trust, that you can work with, and then go, cool, you know what? These are my goals. How do we re-engineer the practical steps that needs yeah. to happen? And uh, how can we ensure that we focus on it every single month to take one step closer yeah. to, to those goals? So if building a, if you don't have a site, if building a site is something that you need to do, because obviously that's where people come over and you know learn more about you, then that's something you need to focus yeah. on. If you already have a site, but like ours now, maybe it's not ideally what you you know, set out two years ago and you'd realize that you need to take a step back and just ask yourself, where do you want to go with this brand or website? Then have that exact person, you know, try and improve the messaging on your website. Um, and same with everything else. Like, it's, it's, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, just don't stop working on your brand. And don't stop thinking about your brand. Mm. Because no one ever comes up with that light bulb moment if they stop thinking about who True. they are, where they're moving You have towards. to be in love with your brand. Yes, and, and those those bright spark moments of being ahead of the disruption come when you're working on your brand. Mm. Um, when you those, those those ideas pop up, yes, obviously there's there's industrial bright sparks of new innovations or stuff that if you if you're quick enough you could 
build a whole nother other business mm. just on an idea. But when you, I'm talking about your business, your core business now, yeah. um, version eight designer. If I don't, okay, it's, it's tricky. I'm, we, we like a mechanics car. Yeah. You know, you like, ironically, you always seem to be let down because 100%. your own car's not working as, me, as what you, because, you know, we, we, we always working on someone else's brand. And that's, the, that's one of the negatives that I'm actually trying to um, advise against. So make sure you always think, even if you're doing stuff yourself, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with teaching yourself how to do, um, uh, that's how I, I did. I mean, it's... Do you know how I started Fitness on One? I learned how to do website design, Joomla, WordPress, basics. Um, uh, then I was like, hey, I can move stuff around on the site, but I can't make my site look pretty. So then I realized I need to understand Photoshop. So actually, actually it was Fireworks. Like, I don't, even, yeah, I don't yeah, think Fireworks yeah. even exists anymore. <laughs> no, definitely. So, so I was using Fireworks mm. to move banners around. I was like, hey, I can... And then I started learning Photoshop. Um, then I started, you know, getting into, well, now I need traffic. So now I learned that I had to teach myself how to do Facebook ads, yeah. how to do Google ads. So essentially, when I launched this business two years ago, I mean, we literally started in my son's bedroom by the grace of God. You know, we've, we've, we've grown quite nicely over the last two years. Um, it was literally because of the fact that I could sell the service at a profitable rate because I knew how to do everything. Yeah. So I understood marketing because it's something I've always been passionate about. I understood the internet because it's something I've been doing for five to six years. And then I was like, but hold on, I've got the skill sets to build my own site, to do my own creatives, to do everything else. So it, yeah. it didn't cost me anything to start the business. And it was very profitable for me to get clients because I was the one servicing them. But yeah. nonetheless, I hear what you're saying. It's important to, as a small business owner, to maybe sometimes you know, look at these things and, and ask yourself, what, what are you passionate about? And maybe teach yourself... You know, a little bit about brand, a little bit about Photoshop, a little bit about yeah. this or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. People in in our position would, could argue, oh, no, no, don't do it yourself. You know, pay us to do it. But ironically, you know, once people actually start realizing the value, hmm. um, and I mean, you know, when we first started interacting, um, but firsthand you learned the value of actually making sure that your 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 design work, your brand execution is correct. Hmm. And it was easy for you to take the step and say, okay, you know what? I'm rather going to pay these guys to do it because I now understand the value and I actually also have an idea of the, the effort that goes into it. Um, so indirectly, you know, if you can't afford it, do it because you're going to start realizing the benefit that you're going to get if you do end up with 100%. budget and actually um, uh, decide to actually get things done professionally. Um, because when that value is realized, um, mm. then it's, the only way forward is... Is onward. So you know what the funny thing is? In I uh, looked at this is now something maybe a, that's not necessarily in your field, but Google Search Console can show you how often people are looking for your brand online. Yeah. And so I always use it because I'm, you know, romantic. I love the the, the idea of building brand. Yeah. So I'm always looking at how often people are looking for version eight, you know, or V8 yeah. Media. This is an exact example. Like we were V8 Media, but now we version eight. Like we had a whole transition. Like we didn't have a big enough audience, so we just went in straight into version 8. But my mind is sometimes still saying V8 Media, whatever it is, even though this is our own internal thing that we need to sort out, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, this is a classic example. But from our side, as a business owner, you can actually see if, you, if your brand building uh, tactics or strategies are actually paying off because the stronger you're building your brand, the more people will move over to Google and search for it because... That's what people, I think 60, there was a stat the other day that came out, like 65% of people jump onto Google 
you know, be, that's where they start their buying per, their buying journey. Yeah. Um, so if you want to learn more about a company, the first thing you do is you Google them and, and try and find a site or something, more information about them. So I can actually see how many people are searching for V8 Media or version 8 or whatever it is. And I can see those numbers are increasing on a monthly basis, which means that our brand building efforts are slowly paying off because yeah. people are seeing us and they want to learn more about us. And they don't go digital marketing agency and then see us. They actually type in V8 Media. Yeah. Who is V8 Media? So it's it's tricky because the the, the 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 bad part about that is you can't allocate that to one specific action yeah, and say oh exactly. that worked, but you got to trust that it's all the effort that you've been putting into your brand that's now returning some results to 100%. you as as a, a listing. I always uh, I actually a uh, funny thing is when when I'm when I'm communicating with clients on email. Um, obviously, when you build a relationship, then I become Herc. Yes, you know Hercules or Herc. And I, and people deal with me in a, on a personal basis. But um, when someone refers to my company or my business, I almost feel like a, I had a success. You yeah. know? If 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 or, or, or a, good, a good example was the other day when a client of ours was referring um, the email to someone else that needed to work with us um, in terms of getting a, a project done, mm. and it wasn't. Listen, just speak to Hercules. Da, 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 da. Um, he'll do because that's now just relying on your relationship yeah and if that relationship breaks technically you could lose that client yes, right but in all theory but in the email it was like no we work with designer and you're going to need to just deal with them with xyz and then we can get things sorted and i almost felt that, that was a little bit of a success for me because it is. um i do want to build relationships with my clients because that gives longevity and the bigger the relationship the the in general, you'd say the the you know the odds of losing the client becomes less. Yeah, hundreds. Um, but when they actually start seeing you as a entity and not just this personal connection, you're doing something right, and your brand becomes Correct. now now your brand's moving. And I mean, we use Google, so um, mm. even even the references in my emails. I don't know how Outlook works. Uh, re, you know, in terms of that type of. Yeah. Uh, picking up on no, key, key th things. But I mean, I'm sure Google's got some algorithms that's picking up on oh, yeah. back and forth. Um, Gmail, yeah. Yeah, so we, we use basically Gmail online because we're such a small group. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, no, so just to touch on that point, because you know you want to see people using the word version 8 100%. because then you're doing your job in terms of brand. Um, the same thing on my side, but if you, if, you know, that's the type of messaging you want to get across to to the clients out there or potential clients out there, um, and just don't stop thinking about your brand. If you can't do anything this month, don't spend money. It's fine because you need to pull back a little, but know that as soon as this budget does come in, yeah. you need to you need to move forward. Just like you moving forward in your business, your brand needs to keep. Else, your brand's going to be back there. I like that. Your business is going to be here. Mm. And there's going to be that middle part, that connection part that's between the inside talk and the outside talk. It's going to be missing because mm. there's no connection to who you are and what your business has become without a rudder, right? Dude. So um, No, well, look, yeah. thanks for coming through today. And I think essentially it was a super insightful talk. I mean, some people might find it boring, but I think if you're in the marketing space, then uh, hopefully there was some value. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope yeah. you enjoyed it yourself. No, I do. I you know me uh, personally. I'll talk all day. So Sweet, man. no, look. But, I want to um, thank you for coming through. Uh, I want to yeah. thank you for your time. 
and sharing some insights with us. It really means a lot. And uh, all the best for you, your wife, the business, and everything. Um, yeah, yeah we'll touch base soon. And for those of you watching, thank you for tuning in. And for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. Um, from our side, we'll be back next week with another episode. And uh, yeah, all the best and have a good one. Cool. Thanks. Next time. Cheers, eh? Cheers.